Welcome to the Organic Gardener Podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Marie Beyer. Let's get growing. Announce my first sponsor, Robin Kelson from the Good Seed Company. Welcome, Robin. Yay! Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and very happy to be your sponsor. We have a large variety of locally adapted, open-pollinated, non-GMO vegetable, flower, and herb seeds. And we hope you'll enjoy in visiting our website, goodseedco.net or Goodseed Montana, and seeing the resources that we offer for becoming a better gardener, a better seed saver, and a member of building resiliency around food in your community. Welcome to the Organic Gardener Podcast today. I'm super excited to introduce somebody that Mike happened to find on Facebook yesterday and said, hey, you want to introduce, you want to interview this guy. And I reached out to him and here we are talking again already. We are having a little bit of a technical thing. So bear with us if we have some issues and there seems to be a little bit of um, kind of a delay. So I'll try to edit those out. But Today's guest is, he's already been dropping tons of golden seeds, as I'm calling them now, that listeners are going to learn, want to learn about all sorts of things, not just gardening, but definitely about gardening. Um, but also, like, if you ever wanted to have a Kickstarter campaign or promote something online, he taught me some amazing stuff right off the bat. So, from, and he's a fellow educator, so I, that was something that I think that caught Mike right away. So, um... Uh, from the permaculture student welcome matt powers hi thanks for having me well i'm super i, I know really, listeners are gonna love you i'll just it's be interesting that you guys just found yesterday i know uh, i was just saying that, sorry sorry i was just saying that uh thank you anyway it's awesome so go ahead and tell everybody about well, tell us a little bit about yourself first. All right. Well, I am a seed saver, a plant breeder, and a organic gardener. I'm also a teacher, and I was an English teacher at high school for many years. I was a tenured teacher at a local district, 15 minutes from my house. I live with my in-laws and my father-in-law's parents on family land. There's four generations. My wife and I live here with our two sons. And we've got about two to three acres of garden area. And I'm kind of heading towards becoming a farmer or a homestead farmer, kind of subsistence farmer. Um, but I was originally a teacher and before that, a musician. And when I was a musician, I played with uh, Saturday Night Live's uh, drummer, uh, Sean Pelton. Uh, he's been their house drummer for about 20 years now, I think. Um, but this was way back in the day, uh, when I was a, a young man, um, and, uh, I was this traveling musician and I just, it was my dream to do all that. And that's what I did. And it was, Wait, so what kind of, of instrument? I was a bass player and I played with, uh, Rachel Ray's husband, um, John Cusimano in his band for seven years. Wow. And I did lots of other things. And I mean, my music's still on like the major league baseball channel almost every day and, I get little checks in the mail for like, you know, they pay you like a buck or two when they play the song, but it's nice. You know, I mean, you get a little pocket change, you know, buy the family a dinner that night, <laughs> nice. but, but that yeah, it's fun. fun. And you know, like, that's the thing is it was like a thing for like young people to do and it was great and I loved it. But then I had a family and I was like, wait, I can't tour for two months. I gotta be a dad. So that was like, like a generational like moment for me. But like that, uh, I, I should say, all right. So what happened was <laughs> I basically quit that band in New York city when my wife got cancer the first time. And then when we got cancer the second time, we kind of knew that we needed to like change a lot more, um, because what the doctors were telling us wasn't, wasn't like accurate. They were just reading off of a, a like a list of information they could give someone. Um, and so from there, we we went out west to recover from cancer, uh, and I, I I didn't know what else to do, so I was still doing music, um, but I was kind of tr trying to figure out some way to be more present to take care of my wife. Um, but then we figured it out, and I finally kind of she wanted me to do substitute teaching for a long time, and I I just I hated school. 
I absolutely hated school, um, and I loved certain teachers, and I loved certain classes, but the framework of compulsory education where I'm being held against my will for eight hours a day for the purposes of tax dollars, right, um, for funding uh, that school district and mostly the salaries of the administrators, um, I didn't agree with that. And so I just was like, oh, I don't want to go. And so I just felt obligated. And then as soon as I did, I fell in love with all the kids and felt like no one was doing anything to educate them. And I have this, I have this crazy education that my dad just gave me um, because my brothers were like really amazing. And like really, they're, they're like, one of them's a university professor, one's a financial advisor for people with ridiculous amounts of money and they're both very, very smart, hardworking people. They're both were stellar athletes. And so they got special coaches and all that. And I got a lot of that bleed over. So I got all this like great education and stuff. And so I applied all that um, to my music. And then I applied all that to my business. And I applied all that to the way I learned. And I just wanted to pass that on to kids. And I show up as a substitute teacher in Fresno. And I freak out because those kids are cheated absolutely cheated and robbed of their education. And meanwhile, the schools are getting the same exact amount of money as, you know, a good district is, right? Uh, per, per child with the ADA money, right? So I just flipped out and I was, you know, I mean, I didn't realize what kind of education I had really up until that point. And so I went to NYU um, and uh, I was an English major there. And so I, I just, I couldn't believe it. And so I started uh, subbing everywhere. I, I wouldn't turn down any job. I specialized at elementary. Went to the areas where people said it was dangerous. And I had a great time everywhere, especially in the places people said were dangerous. So those are the kids that need people the most. Um, and so I would literally go in with my guitar and play music. And I became a teacher and... I was at this radical school where we were teaching with laptops and had no curriculum. And so I was writing my own curriculum from scratch and making it as radical as possible using my NYU college curriculum with sophomores in one of the lowest performing districts in California. Um, and I kept doing things to just prove that these kids are amazing, right? And so the score started jumping higher and higher. Um, and I didn't do homework. I didn't do all this stuff. And I still was having like issues with with finding answers that weren't politically, socially charged. So like if you're a teacher and you're in, in high school, they're just adults. They're, they're young adults, but they're adults. Um, and back in the day, they were adults and we just invented this teenage thing now. And so they've got adult questions and they've got really pertinent questions that are hard to answer uh, without other people in the room who are wanting to create things out of it, turning into something. And so, because I mean, everything borders on opinion, right? And so I learned to talk in this spectrum and talk about, well, they believe this and these people believe that, you know, and it became this very PC person. And, and it was like being a picture frame and it was never providing actual answers for the kids because it provided it so well that it was like, uh, well, which is true, Mr. Powers. And it was like, well, that board is on opinion. <laughs> and so I just, um, until permaculture, until I found permaculture, I didn't know how to prove my food, organic food was better than you know non-organic food. I didn't know how to prove nutritional quality was higher. I didn't know how to prove any of those kinds of things. And I didn't have answers for like, what will the future be like? How will like I make a living? How will I pay for my college debt, Mr. Powers? All these sorts of things, you know what I mean? I, I didn't have any answers for those things. I didn't have any, you know what I mean, method for them to skirt around what was going on, uh, which is a narrow restriction of options for most high school kids. So, yeah, we're still that good. Um, so I discovered permaculture and it was like, oh, the world hunger is not a real issue. We can fix this at the source. Okay. And I was like, oh, 
well, we can prove that GMOs are genetic pollution, not based upon science, not mixed up epigenetics, on top of permaculture and the way things work. Um, and and then we, we can repair all the desertifying landscapes, the degraded landscapes. Um, permaculture's already done it. And I have been able to find videos of like the Lost Plateau and play them in class. And I mean, you have kids who are in an area that burns every year. We have kids in the classroom whose houses burned down that year. And they're watching like a, a blasted landscape that's worse than our own get turned into a paradise in six years. So, and it's also the size of the Central Valley, which is desertifying itself, which is the breadbasket of America, which we're salting. Um, and once had uh, Tulare Lake, which was the size, uh, the largest body of freshwater west of the Mississippi, um, but we drained it from growing cotton. So, and actually now that area, all the aquifers beneath it and all the wells dry. Okay, so let me just, uh, super quick, <laughs> did we tell, I don't know that we told listeners that you're in California. So when you say their houses burned down, I'm picturing they burned down in the big wildfires. Oh, yeah. Yeah, That's the ones you guys saw on TV, right. those are 15 minutes from my house. The one that was 150,000 acres last summer, mm-hmm. we went up to um, Sonoma County to get away from because uh, our kids were breathing it constantly and we couldn't get it out because there was no fresh air. Um, people had uh, squash that didn't, um, that didn't produce fruit that year. Uh, yeah, that didn't produce fruit that year um, because they, the, the squash flowers smelled the smoke and were like, fire's coming, go dormant. You know, and they just shut down and lots of plants, you know, that happened last year. Like all my big tomatoes last year, they didn't uh, do very well because, uh, I mean, well, multiple reasons. I think that overhead waters are not, uh, never good for anything but small tomatoes and uh, perennial um, nightshades. But um, I, I left for three months and put sprinklers on and walked away. But I came back to 300 pounds of squash. Um, gallons of uh, amaranth seed and gallons of uh, huazanto, uh, which is uh, Aztec spinach seed. So it works. You just got to pick your polyculture carefully. Um, so going back to why I do what I do, what I'm doing, my wife got cancer. My kids really needed me because my wife, my, my wife basically lost, well, all right, my wife has no thyroid. So they, they ablated her thyroid after removing it surgically uh, with radiation. The radiation gave her melanoma three months later um, on inside of her leg, on like the upper leg and her hip. Like where she, and she's, you know, Mormon doesn't sunbathe, you know what I mean? So just, just you know, obviously weird things. They started doing research and it just blew me up. And it just like changed my head. All the education I got, all those coaching, I just turned all that on. And it was like, yeah, I had been listening passively through that and I just tagging along being like little powers as I was called as a child these amazing brothers who are doing all these things I just I turned all that on and because I was no longer a musician all that passion all that energy just flipped into like working on my wife's health and my children's health because children are going to a lot much higher you know chance of having cancer because my wife had cancer three times you know what I mean so we're just you know, my, my whole life is geared around preparing and researching and then start researching and discovering all these answers to my problems are the answers to everyone's problems. And I'm realizing that it's like this holistic framework, seeing the world as continuously cycling uh, collections of ecosystems, both in socially, <laughs> economically, um, and, you know, biologically. So, uh, it just absolutely changed everything. And since then, I've been able to, you know, communicate to my brothers who are in their own field, much, much, with much greater depth and, and clarity because I can speak to them because I understand their systems better because I have the pattern literacy that I got from, from permaculture and I have a ecosystemic language, which is the economy of everything, even, even, uh, money and even you know sociology. So, because my, bro- my one of my brothers is, is a um, a social science professor at the University of Iowa, 
So, um, and my mom was a, uh, my mom was a politician uh, in, in Connecticut. Um, so I, I've got all these like people in my life that are doing amazing things. And I was just a musician. <laughs> uh, and then I was just a sub and it just kind of exploded. Um, and I feel really privileged because I took my permaculture course with Jeff Law and online. And then afterwards I was like, Hey Jeff, you know, I'm a, I'm a school teacher and I don't see any materials for kids. And I was like, I write curriculum every day and I've done it for years. I think I can do this, but I need someone who's like an authority to go over and peer review it. You know, what turned it from that conversation and his encouragement, because Jeff's like one of the leading teachers in the entire world. Um, his, his initial encouragement turned into his son help and turned into his family help and turned into this entire community of scientists and experts and educators all over the globe, over 500 people peer reviewed and edited with me, the book, um, the first volume. And right now the Kickstarter is happening for the second volume, which will be the first high school volume. Um, and it's the first high school permaculture textbook ever. And it's really exciting because high school kids, you know, they're plugged in and they're racing and they have no context. They're like, I don't know what I want to be. I don't know what I want to do. And it's because they have no framework. They have nothing to guide them. They have no way to take an apple and another apple and be like, well, which is better? And what are my goals here at this juncture? You know, because it's why, you know, which is better depends on the situation, you know? So this book and this series gives the tools for regenerative living in a modern world, in a city. Um, it, it, it brings in new study and new research done in the past 20 years, in the past 10 years, that radically updates Bill Mollison's original permaculture, a designer's manual. And for organic gardeners, this is, this is the moment where you switch from a bicycle to a car. And I'm, and I'm not trying to be like That's a combative or argumentative, but it is literally like I was gardening and I had my, I had my 10 speed. It was awesome. I loved it with my mountain bike, but I got a car and it's called permaculture. And I have fruit trees that are fed by legume trees that are edible between them. So they're fixing nitrogen in the soil with the, you know, the rhizosome, the, rhizosome, uh, the uh, nodules, the um, nitrogen-fixing nodules. They're nitrifying bacteria that form a symbiotic relationship with the tree. Um, and it can, it can happen with, like, cowpeas or, or clover. But trees do it much more aggressively. And so you do, like, a, a black locust or a Siberian pea shrub between two fruit trees, and it will passively feed them nitrogen. So just that, just that alone was like, wait, what? When I learned that and I was like, hold on. And I just started getting into permaculture. And then, and then it was like, okay, I knew about cover crops. You know, you chop the beans down, they fix nitrogen when they break down. I didn't know about the root nodules and then I didn't know about the trees. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to set up a system that's protected by perennials that uses the mulch from perennial because then I don't bring in mulch, right? I mean, so many little things, it's like, oh, yeah. And then it's like, oh, yeah, you made compost. That's great. Do you want to multiply it by a 1,000 with your, like, efficacy? Oh, well, then let's turn it into compost tea, like the way Elaine Ingham does it. You know what I mean? So it's like, and Elaine Ingham is making... um ryegrass go you know 11 12 feet deep uh in ph 11 soils in northern nevada like she's doing incredible things with just compost tea so i mean like it's like opens this door and this like gust of air like piles out of it like for instance um curtis stone he's doing spin farming it's the reason that, you know, people say it's permaculture is because he's putting back in. He's keeping careful accounting of what he's doing. He's stacking functions. He's using people's front and backyards in, um, in the middle of Canada, in the middle of the city, 
and he's using a teeny growing season and on like a third of an acre he's making seventy thousand. On a on a full acre he's making over a hundred thousand dollars. So the, like the realm of possible is like going through the roof. Jean Martin Fortier in Quebec, he's doing a uh, hundred and forty thousand dollars on an acre and a half. And I mean, it's snowy there a lot of the year. And, and, and it's market. I mean, we're talking about market gardener. He's the market gardener guy, that, that, that wonderful book. Um, and then Curtis Stone is the Urban Farmer, which is another wonderful book. Um, actually, all these people that I mention are also my friends, my peer reviewers. And they're people that I read their books and then I translate it into, um, just like I did when I was a teacher translating, like, Dubliners, James Joyce, you know, and like, taking stuff that I excerpts from my college stuff and bringing it down to sophomores that are only in their second year of reading novels because they can do it. It's just all about engagement and motivation and understanding um, how these things connect to our intrinsic motivation, you know, because if a child doesn't see the context, they're not going to learn. And I'm sure you know that as a teacher. <laughs> I was going to say, um, so one of the great things about your program is that because it is written for high school students right because it said ninth and tenth grade particularly that's right? the volume two volume one is for middle schoolers and then teachers in elementary school have been using it um that listeners might be interested because it's going to break it down into such an easy um way to read it and so even if it is geared towards kids i think a lot of listeners um you know, it's going to be applicable to everybody. It's going to be in this easy to, um, to, uh, what's the word when you're like soaking something up or just like you're easy to comprehend. Yeah. Easy to comprehend and easy to follow just very basic steps. You know, I mean, yes, I am a teacher also, <laughs> and I do primarily work with young adults, but like on the weekends, my first choice to read are YA novels because I can read it in a weekend and I don't know why. I just, to me, it seems easier. I also wonder if it's my library, like their choice of adult fiction is not really mine. It's mostly romance, westerns, or mysteries. But anyway, that aside, the other thing I wanted to say is I never even heard of permaculture till I started this podcast and also Mike found your amazing Facebook post because it was shared by Kelly Ware and do you know Kelly Ware who was one of she's been in my top 10 downloaded podcast episodes since she aired episode I think 28 she's a big permaculture person here in Montana yeah Kelly's one of my her family um, is one of my uh, supporters and they're also yeah, students I, in my online program Oh, they they're, uh, they're 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 friends of ours. Yeah. Yeah, I figured they probably weren't. And so she shared your post, and that's where Mike found it in his Facebook feed yesterday. And so tell listeners really super quickly about like. So I was telling um, Matt in the pre-chat, I, he was saying, "Oh yeah, that's probably because I did this." And I was like, "No, I doubt Mike ever actually clicked on it. He never heard you say anything because he's still like just kind of getting into the hang of things, and he's still kind of like hesitant to click." on a button and your response to that about your kickstarter campaign was he read it so tell people about the power of kickstarter that way and using the internet that way just really quick before i forget well yeah and you know when we were talking about it, i didn't even give you the backstory so okay. i had a permaculturist um in san diego contact me and ask me to turn all 13 hours of my course um into uh Deaf, uh, deaf ready um, uh, format. So he wanted a closed captioning on it all. And I realized in that moment that, you know, I mean, I just like, whoa, mm. that's a huge task. But from here on out, you know, I should really keep this in mind. And so it's like, and so just starting it out, I was just like, wow, I should just have it be written so people like can see it. And then I put it up, and then immediately I realized that oh, wow, so people are going to read this and then they're going to click on it because they're going to see it and then they're going to read it because they can't help but read it. And I'm saying it as it's being read so there's no gap in between the audio and the, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So so it really works well as a way to reach people um, when you're advertising, especially on Facebook, um, if you have it writing first. But yeah, you know, I, I run a... You're right, uh, though. It did, totally. I run I mean... an entrepreneur's group. 
I'm a, oh, I, I run an entrepreneur's group on, uh, on Facebook called uh, Permaculture Entrepreneurs. So I totally like thinking about all this stuff. To plug that a little more, because like Facebook group, and especially I am just trying to launch my Organic Gardener podcast Facebook group. If anybody hasn't heard, I'm hoping you're going to come check that out and join us. But tell people, so it's the permacools, they might be interested in joining yours as well or differently because that might be more their thing. Uh, just tell us a little bit more about that. Wait, about permaculture? Your Facebook group. Your permaculture I didn't give you a definition. Oh, okay. Oh, the, the, the permaculture entrepreneurship page. Well, first let me, because uh, okay. I was just thinking about the fact that I haven't, because you said it was the first okay. time you heard of it. So permaculture is uh, a design science based upon the patterns of nature that benefits people and the earth. That's like the simplest definition. It's basically a regenerative pattern-based literacy. And so it's an ethical design science. And so it's like a, a backbone. Like, you know, English skills is a backbone for all the other courses in school. It's basically permaculture is the holistic context for all learning. So it's like instead of learning about um, history through just like what happened, you would learn history as to what happened, why it happened, who it affected, and, and, and you would learn like what you felt about what was right, what they felt about what was right, how it affects things socially, economically. You would look at it holistically, you know? Nice. Uh, critical thinking is part of my permaculture course. Because permaculture gives you pattern literacy, it gives you causality, it, it implies those kinds of things, critical thinking. But um, it doesn't go into the hypothetical, into the Socratic, into the, you know what I mean, those kinds of things. Um, and it, it's action-based, which is wonderful. So it's always solution-based. But um, positing with children novel situations is, you know, I feel like 80% of what we got to do as teachers. Because that way they feel like they're in a consequence-free environment to experience and test and they don't have to do those things outside. You know what I mean? They feel safe and they could be like, well, what if we did that? And you're like, oh, no, no, no. That would actually would cause an explosion or a fire, you know? Uh, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's, that's what school is. It's the families are, you know, they're places for people to learn that are safe. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. We got to get back on topic. I'm just checking because I have another phone call. I think in like 15 minutes. Okay. Well, I can go through your questions if you want. Um, well, have you told every, I think what I, what you should do is tell people specifically why they want to support your Kickstarter campaign. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'll give them a first, a tidbit about yeah what is your kickstarter campaign what is like tell tell us that part okay all right all right fair enough all right so my kickstarter campaign is for the first high school permaculture textbook and it's an all-in-one it's a textbook and workbook and it's got formulas and recipes and all in there it is basically a handbook for living on earth regeneratively and you can use it to make businesses you can use it to re-gear businesses you can use it to change your life, change your homestead, change your farm. Um, It's this holistic manual for how to live regeneratively. It covers social permaculture. It covers the economy. Uh, It covers alternative energy, mycology, which is a huge branch that's just emerging. Um, And this book is designed to be a thorough, comprehensive textbook, a full year of curriculum and it's illustrated by Wayne Fleming who is was was the guy who did the illustration for my first book which everyone can check out at the permacultureStudent.com and we have our video up there for the Kickstarter and we have the link up there to the Kickstarter there's free videos up there there's samples from my course up there under underneath the course sign up there's lots of options and the idea is that we're, and, and this is already happening. We want to spread permaculture into schools everywhere. And it's already being tra- it's already translated into Polish. Uh, the final drafts are being made of the French, the Spanish, the Italian. 
and Russian is starting this week. Greek is starting this week. Um, so it's spreading all over the globe and it's because people everywhere need a context. They need a regenerative context. They need to know how to do what they need to do because we all need shelter. We all need food. We all need clean water. We all need, uh, we all need, uh, reliable, uh, energy for our systems, whether they be a business, whether they be a, a household. And we can do that with permaculture and my manual is, uh, my book is designed so that everyone can start on that path and readily recognize how they can start doing that right now. And it's being spread because people really, really need it. I mean, people recognize right now that, you know, the topsoils are gone. The, the primeval forests are gone. All the carbon that was trapped in those areas, just those trees and just the soil, not even talking about fossil fuels, is in the air. And then, yeah, we're burning all the fossil fuels, too. So we've got all this carbon up in the air. It's acidifying the oceans, because, and about half of it's gone to the oceans, uh, which actually means that that's basically the amount of carbon that we can take back through the soil by building our soils on all the agricultural land. So at this like cusp moment where if everyone just understands the systems that actually sequester carbon, which are almost all the natural systems. And if we're doing things that are just as simple as your paper and your cardboard in your house can easily turn into fungi and then be firmicompost and then be safe compost for the garden. There's a debate whether that those mushrooms that grow on that, on that cardboard are safe or not because of some of the uh, glues and some of the dyes. But there's no question about that, that compost because it gets trapped in those long carbon chains. So simple little things like that, a child, a third grader can go home and they may be in, urban, uh, in an urban environment, paper trash to be hauled away. And suddenly all their paper waste and all their, their food scraps goes into vermicompost and then turns into the community garden soil or their backyard soil, their front curb lot soil. And, we're, it's, and people need this because it's flipping their, their spending into saving. And then it's going into abundance and then they have so much they either share it and that becomes social capital or or they end up selling it and then it becomes fiscal capital. And so it's, it, and, and I see it happening everywhere. People are taking my books and my course, they're using it in India, in Israel, in Kuwait, in Australia, in Canada, in Mexico, in Panama, all over the world, in South Africa, in China, in Japan, and in New Zealand. And, and, it, and it's just spreading because people are being able to recognize, because this is a birthright. Uh, and that's what I believe I'm, I'm reconnecting people with. This is as much me doing this as it is something I'm being able to be a conduit to. And this Kickstarter is all about opening that connection as wide as possible to as many people as possible. Because if we have young people everywhere go home and start taking their rainwater, trapping it and cleaning it, using that instead of city water, Suddenly those aquifers aren't going to be drained. If they're taking all of their waste that was going, all the biological waste and wood lignin waste like cardboard, right? It's biological too. Uh, all that, if, if, if all that goes back into the backyards, into the soil, and if that carbon is trapped, and then if we use things like rocket mass heaters, which burn wood cleanly, they're the cleanest way to heat anything ever that we've discovered. And because <laughs> there's no waste. And so we would suddenly have turbines and water heaters. All the temperate climates would suddenly switch to stick heat, so stick fires. And, and then we'd have this huge changeover into abundance where you wouldn't, you, none of the heat that would be creating, uh, creating uh, dangerous gases. All the stick fire would just be from falling deadfall. It wouldn't even be from like living trees that you'd be chopping down. I mean, there and, and this is just touching simple, simple little things that are little pieces of permaculture, but they would make huge, dramatic impacts. So, supporting my 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 Kickstarter is supporting a movement that is happening all over the globe, and connecting kids to this material is securing all of our futures because. The climate needs forests because the climate was created with forests. 
climate needs rich soils in our grasslands where we're doing our agriculture right now because that's where the herbivores were creating that soil and that soil used to be so thick that that's where all the carbon was. So we just need to bring these back into balance. We need to recognize the actual systems as they are. And that's what my book is, is, is for and that's the message and, and that's the hope that is the future. We can be regenerative and abundant and we are actually the most positive forces for good on the planet and we are not a disease we are not destructive and i want to get that message into every high school head that they can be the positive change in their home their community on this earth to affect everyone around them in the planet itself you are the man i love it i'm so glad you came on and shared with everybody today and i just oh, I love thanks. all of it Thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for being brave and sharing what you're doing. Because, um, I don't know, you're brave. <laughs> I'm always like scared to do anything. And just I love your video and I love your Kickstarter campaign. I love how you're going into the schools and teaching people. We have so much in common. Like when we have time to chat and I imagine we'll meet each other someday in the future because we just have way too many things in common. Tell everybody what your podcast is. So my podcast is the permaculture. Uh, my podcast is permaculture tonight, and it's on SoundCloud and it's on iTunes. And I basically have my friends uh, and permaculture peers and permaculture experts and scientists come on, and we talk about uh, what they're doing and what they're working on, and it it's kind of like a late night talk show but without anything inappropriate. <laughs> okay. Cause I know they're going to want to check that out. So that's just one more incredible thing we haven't got. It's so funny. Cause just this morning. So my, one of my best friend's daughter was in the class I was subbing in yesterday and I was subbing for the music teacher. And so I finally, I like hand her my camera was like, we take a picture of me. And so my Facebook post today is me playing the guitar in front of my, for the kids yesterday, taught them like the fish and blues and, uh, Teddy Bear's Picnic and a couple other fun kid songs that I know. I'm going to try to stay focused. We just have a few more minutes. So, um, but do you want to just quickly, like, I don't know, part of me is like, we should just do another interview and go through the questions. And part of me is like, do you want to just share, like, the three big ones I always like to have are, you know, your favorite tool, your favorite book, and your favorite internet resource? What do you sure, think? Sure, I can do that real quick. Okay, so, so, wait, um, so the favorite, my favorite tool question tool? is like, if you were going to move and could only take one tool with you, what would it be? What could you not live without? Okay, so so if I had to take only one tool with me, oh, man, that would be hard. I have a really nice <laughs> scythe that's more expensive than my, my rice knife. Mm -hmm. But I have four rice knives. Um, I have one of every size from Permaculture Tools, um, which is un the best tools you will ever buy are Permaculture Tools. They are just is that like a website and, or what do you where's yeah what does that mean? I think it's permaculturetools.au.com. Okay, but maybe you can send me the tool. link and we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So permaculture tools are absolutely unreal. I've never had a uh, a balanced um, yeah permaculturetools.com.au. That's okay. it. So, yeah, unbelievable rice knife. I use it for, you know, weeding. I use it for clearing areas. Um, it's absolutely unbelievable. It's like I have one right in front of me, uh, my original one, and my son's broken the tip off of it, but um, I just, it's always close to hand. So, yeah, I'd probably bring that. Um, and then you were asking about what's next? Well, wait, I need to hear the four, even though I only have one. Like, what are the four tools that you have to have from there? Or, oh, you said you had four <laughs> rice knives. Yeah, Were four there... rice knives, and then I've got two uh, scythes. I, I, okay. I don't think I could deal without my hand tools. I do everything with hand tools. I don't use machines. Okay. Okay. Uh, the other ones were a favorite internet resource. Like, just where do you go to the on the web the most? To the Jeff Lawton thing? Or... Um. Well, uh, Je I watch all Jeff's stuff. Jeff's great. Uh, I took his online course, uh, which should be coming back uh, later this spring okay. or perhaps this summer. Um, but uh, as far as online resources, uh, 
I started creating my own videos because I felt like there wasn't enough online resources. Okay. So, so my, what are yours? I've got free videos um, at thepermaculturestudent.com. Oh, you just click on the oh. videos, and there's a bunch there. Okay. Um, and then, um, hmm, yeah, so books. There's just so many books. Okay. Uh, books are really where the information is in permaculture or individuals. So, like, I like Radical Mycology by Peter McCoy, Eric Tonesmeyer's The Carbon Farming Solution, Urban Farmer by Curtis Stone, uh, and, of course, Bill Mollison's Permaculture, A Designer's Manual. Um, that that one I've read three times, and, and the spine is broken. Um, I right, love I'm Carol Depp's books. Um, Carol Depp is uh, the um, resilient gardener. She's also uh, breed your own uh, backyard or veg- breed your own vegetable varieties. So um, I love books. Uh, Priority One by Alan Yeoman, uh, Alan Savory's Holistic Management, um, The Art of Fermentation by uh, Sandra Katz. Uh, yeah, yeah. Elliot Coleman's Four Season, uh, Four Season Kitchen, or, or something mm. like that. All of them. I love. I love them all, and I read them all. <laughs> Excellent. All right, I got to ask you my one final question too. Um, if there's one change you would like to see to create a greener world, what would it be? For example, is there a charity or organization you're passionate about, or project you would like to see put into action, like? What do you feel is the most crucial issue facing our planet in regards to the environment, either locally, nationally, or globally? And you are perfectly welcome to pitch your Kickstarter campaign here. But there might be something else you had planned. Um, well, I would say that I think that what I'm doing with my Kickstarter definitely qualifies because I wouldn't be doing anything different um <laughs> you know what I mean I, I, I seek to try to do the um number one you know the number one most important thing right with my mm-hmm. time uh, I, I think that educating children uh, in permaculture is the most important thing that we can do currently uh, and I would say that mm, giving to giving to organizations um carefully is really important because most organizations don't have the qualifications or the understanding um, to put those resources um, to good use, I feel like. Um, I know that Jeff Lawton, um, you know, he's greening the desert, Neil Speckman, um, the Albeda project um, in Saudi Arabia is literally turning just blighted desert land into food forests. Um, and Neil's a really close friend of mine. Um, Wait, spell I mean, his name. Who is he? Neil Neil Speckman. Yeah, if anyone complains about water, uh, just go talk to Neil. <laughs> okay. Because he's growing. I mean, they had a three-year drought with no rain. Right. Um. Yeah. Now, tell me quickly. Uh, does your Kickstarter have a deadline? Yes, we have 28 days left. Um, we, we, we're we already 40% of the way there. Okay. So, it's so very, what, di- very what exciting specific to be there day on day is that? Because I was thinking I was going to maybe save you for I Earth believe Day, but I better not It's the second to last wait. day. It's the second to last day of March. Of April? Today's the last of day April, of March. Yeah. Better be April. <laughs> We'd be past it. Yeah, no, the second to last day of April then. Okay. Well, I'll see if I can get this up before Earth Day, but I was thinking you would make an awesome Earth Day guest. Well, I'll have it. I come back. Okay. <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Yeah, okay. we should talk about seeds. Jo- mm-hmm. uh, I have uh, Joe uh, Joe Simcox, um, gave me, you know Gardens Across America guy, Uh-oh. botanical explorer guy. Mm-mm. Ooh, you need to check out my blog. I talked to him when he was in Honolulu in a cloud forest as he was driving down. Oh, you got to talk. Yeah. Okay. Joseph, Joseph Simcox. Okay. He's the, he's, he, he's, how do you, spell do you know, rareseeds.com. Wait, how do you spell Simcox? S-I-M-C-O-X. C-O-X. Okay. So do, do you know rareseeds.com, Baker Creek, the Ireland Seed yes. Company? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, I've actually, that's my next call is I got to call Jerry. Um, but like, um, yeah, so 
Jared Gettle, I, I do stuff with him. Um, I'm all about the heirloom rare seeds. He actually sponsors my um, my Your course. Products. Oh, cool. Okay. So, yeah, they sponsor the seeds for my course. And my course, did, like, features the seeds. So, uh, And then Joe Simcox was the, was the guy who did the Explorer series with his brother, Patrick. They're the guys who went and got all those crazy uh, seeds from Peru. I don't know. And I'm I'm now growing out those seeds, so that might be something that we could talk about. Okay. Because I, I I love talking seeds. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Do you want to share an inspirational tip or quote to help motivate listeners to reach into their own dirt and start their own garden, as if you haven't already shared bunches? Yeah. I mean, okay. Well, I believe that anyone can start gardening, and any age can start gardening and provide. Uh, a way to save money and to make a difference in the community at the same time. Perfect. Okay. Tell everybody one more time how to connect with you. Okay. So yeah, if you go to www.thepermaculturestudent.com, my video is there for my Kickstarter. My books are there. My free videos are there to check out. There's samples. There's there's more information. Everything's there. So if you just head on over there, you'll be you'll be fine. Perfect, Matt. Thank you so much. You've been a great guest. I'm glad we got the technology figured out, and this was the Me perfect too. interview. I just think listeners, you just shared tons of golden seeds, and just um, is what I'm calling my little golden nuggets and value bombs that other podcasters talk about. And I think people are going to reach out to you. I'm going to encourage people to um go ahead and buy this for your local school this curriculum or because as far as curriculums go your price is super affordable and we all want to teach our students and as one of my um who was i want to say it was patty armbruster who is doing amazing things in education in eastern montana she said that um it just takes one passionate person to get a school garden or school agriculture program going and then it will take off from there and so this could be your key this could be your materials you hook up with a science teacher or a principal who's interested and you know kind of get that program going and schools are really interested in this right now so if you kind of say, here's some materials, look, here's a great curriculum that your teachers can use. Um, I just think, you know, we can all help change the world together. So as tax day is coming here, you might be too late for 2015's tax, but it's probably like a deductible you could use if you buy this for your school district. And, um, you know, just go ahead and check out his permaculture student website and um, just share with everybody because you are so on top of things. And I love your passion and I love your energy and I love your responsibility piece about we need to teach the kids. That's really been a theme of like my last four guests. That's so interesting. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, because I just talked to the Brooklyn Grange woman yesterday, and she said the same. That was one of her big things, is that farmers might not be so excited to hear about this, but really the key to uh, having a farming business right now is educating. And the woman I talked to, the the woman who aired on Monday when I talked to her, I think I talked to her on Tuesday, and the woman who aired on Tuesday, she said the same thing. She's working with a university in South Dakota educating people, and that's been a big secret to success with their business. And as Earth Day is coming, there is maybe an Earth Day event in your area. I encourage you, take your kids, take your grandkids, take your nieces, take your nephews, get those kids learning. So many of my guests have also said... I hated to garden when I was a kid. So if your grandkids don't want to get you, bribe them because they're going to like you down the line and they're going to remember that time with you. So if they're a little bit resistant or a little bit hesitant, I know my mom's still laughing all the time. How did my daughter get a gardening podcast? So thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me. This is Jackie Marie Beyer, and I am just hoping that you're as excited to be learning and gardening this spring as I am. And so I'm really wondering what you're up to this spring. And I'm super excited to announce that I am 
finally going to launch my Facebook group, the Organic Gardener Podcast Facebook group. So I really want to hear about your journey. And I really hope that you will come there and share your questions, your successes, your challenges, your pictures, your, um, you know, connect with the other listeners in the audience. And, um, you know, what's your vision for the future? Or what's your vision for your garden, for your organic oasis? You know, do you want, are you planting flowers? What are you doing? You know, what project are you taking on this spring, this summer? You know, um, I really want to learn, you know, what do you want to know? Is there, you know, what kind of guests do you like? You know, who have you enjoyed? Who would you like to hear more of? You know, what topics are you really enjoying? You know, is it raising honeybees or planting perennials or, you know, what kind of seeds are you looking for? You know, are they annuals, perennials, you know, what kind of vegetables, what kind of herbs are you planting? What flowers? Do you have any questions that we can answer? You know, what guests have you, um, liked the most, you know? So what, is there something you want me to find out? Like, I'm really going to try to be as active in Facebook, the Organic Gardener podcast, Facebook page, and the Organic Gardener podcast, Facebook group. So, um, you know, if you're interested in, you know, learning more and reaching out and connecting with other people, you know, especially, you know, the great thing about it is all of a sudden, you know, you might meet three people who are in your area. Just like since I started my podcast, you know, I met Robin Kelson and Laura Bahena. So it was so fun to see them last week. And Pamela Lund, too, if you haven't heard of her episode, she's just got a great story. You know, well, Robin's been in the top 10 um, since she aired. But um, to meet these, you know, people, and then I went to the Aero Conference and met more people that are living locally near me here in Montana that I never knew till I started my podcast. And so if you join the Organic Gardener podcast Facebook group, you'll probably meet people in your area. And then maybe I'll be able to find some people from the other states because I think I'm up to like state 20 or 21 still. So there's still more states that I haven't interviewed people from than states that I have one of these days I'm going to read that list and um, try to get some people, some listeners. Listeners always make great guests, I think. You've all got more knowledge than you think to share and some answer that somebody else has been looking for. So um, if you want to come on and share your gardening journey, you know, I'm always looking. But today I really want to talk about, you know, join our group. Um, you know, let me know what can I do for you. Even if you don't want to do the Facebook thing, I totally understand. Or if you have another channel that you like. Um, you know, reach out to me, email me, go to the website, you know, you can connect with me. There's the get in touch page. There's a listener survey on there where you can, you know, which basically is just easy questions about, you know, what, what's your biggest challenge that I can help you with. But, um, just most of all, I hope if you want to, you will come join the Facebook group, um, connect with me and just, um, let's change the world together. Uh, thanks for listening and remember to 